Now, always educating my buyers that you're buying their sellers, previous seller's standard of care. What we do, you know, with every survey and everything, you start backing out all those standard of care items that the owner hadn't done. We got to put a new bottom on it. We got to replace all the seacocks because that person didn't do that work while they owned it. Today we're here with Walter Johnson from Engels and Volker. Engel and Volker Engel yachting. And Volker. Yeah. All right, we got it. I made it through that that hump there. Um, and you know, you're the president of the yachting group, and you uh, basically get these yachts and big expensive boats to people and there's a whole process and uh it's great it and yeah and people have no idea i bet when they're first getting into it now i bet i know they don't no and uh we thought you'd be a great person to come in and give your insights into what goes on behind the scenes of buying some of these boats um uh, taking care of them uh keeping the value up selling sure. them trading them out all that good stuff it's and the whole it's the whole cycle right it's a whole you cycle know, yeah. so uh thanks for coming down i i appreciate it you know a little bit about engel and volkers it's a global mostly real estate entity right and uh you know we realize that there's this this play between luxury real estate and luxury yachts and you know someone if they're buying in the waterfront environment or they're looking out at the sea and they want to be a part of it so it makes sense to have this unique referral network to sure. to transfer trust. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it just makes sense. And and you see that also with aircraft. Right. People tie the aircraft and the chartering all together. It's, uh, well, you it, know, the luxury lifestyle, right? So you target that market. Luxury lifestyle, luxury at every level. Mm -hmm. uh, Ingo and Volkers has an aviation division, a yachting division, as well as the real estate division. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, global entity with 32 countries. Uh, it's made its foray into the United States in 2006. And so uh, when it did that, it had already been in yachting in Monaco. So, so it went through, it survived the uh, significant downturn, 2008, 9, 10, right? <laughs> so you made it through. So that would be uh, an indication the company is, you know, in solid shape across the board to get through that, especially in boating at that time because the market just... Tank. completely imploded yeah like it, like never seen before right it was a great reset right, right? you know <laughs> i mean it was our our generation's version of the great depression you can look at it from that perspective sure. and it was a great reset but with that engel and volkers continue to prosper it's you mm -hmm. know in the united states 270 locations in north america and just over about just 100 uh, a million a thousand fifty locations globally mm -hmm. about eighteen thousand realtors uh, or what they call advisors are are attached to it. So you tied it all in. Now you're down here in Naples, Florida, among other places. And um, so, you know, while these big boats are out there, people are going through, through the buying process. It's also fairly similar to what everybody goes through in the buying process with boats. It's just uh, more zeros at the end. And um, I think when people go out to boating, you had mentioned it. All right, you're by the water. You want to be in, in it. You want to be out there. You want to enjoy it. It's all the marketing is everything is great just write a check here's your monthly payment <laughs> get on the water and have a great time and for those of us in the industry who have been through this and have the illness of buying boats and needing to be out on the water <laughs> it just doesn't work that way and one of the things that your company does is it's more of a you know from what i understand it's a more of a full service where you're taking people through the buying process and getting them what to expect. So they, here comes somebody who wants to buy this boat 
and they're at your door. Yeah. What do you do to help them to make the experience uh, a quality experience all the way through from the what boat do you want to pick? Right. <laughs> what do you like? Then when you get it, what do you do? How do you maintain it? How do you um, uh, use it in the way that you want? And then how do you exit with the most dollars? So maybe you could take us through the process of what you do because yeah. and get right into the details because that's what people need to know. Well, it's, it's not a, what they think on the surface. It's, it's the devil's in the details. But, you mm -hmm. know, we spend a lot of time educating our people and walking them through and talking to them about, you know, everybody begins with a dream, right? So they have this overarching dream that becomes a desire that they want to be out on, on the water, right? They right. want to be attached to the boat. <clears throat> I always say John F. Kennedy said it the best that we all have an affinity to for the sea, right? The mm -hmm. same salt in our tears is in the ocean. And so sure. we're, we're all attached to it. And I think everybody gets a certain segment of the population get immersely attached to wanting to be addicted, addicted. It becomes <laughs> an addiction. And, yes. you know, by the time we get to them, they're YouTube fanatics and they've been, they've watched hundreds of hours of video trying to ascertain and get where they want to go. Mm. And, you know, we're, we're here to be advisors and guide them through the process. And so I spend a lot of time just talking to my clients to get to know them and to also get to understand what it is their dream, whether they have a place to keep the boat, are they parking it behind their luxury home that they just bought or inherited, or have they put their name on a waiting list someplace because a lot of them haven't thought about it. And I go, well, that's a great marina, but you realize there's probably a year waiting list mm -hmm. and you can't get your name on the list unless you have a boat. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So now, you know, we're talking about the luxury market, but do, do many of these people, have they been in boating before or what are you finding? Is it, hey, I used to have a 13 foot whaler when I was a kid or have they come up the ranks? What do it, you, it what runs do you the gamut. It starts off with a lot of people. Yeah, I used to have a, a whaler when I was a kid. I was mm -hmm. at my grandfather's uh, beach house and we'd go play on his boat and that's, that's their memory of their time on the water. Okay. Uh, we have other people who have, you know, either tried and are part of a, a boat rental club and they've tried that for a while um, and are looking to grow and, and step out. Um, and then there's just people who have this dream that, you know, I want to buy this 60-foot boat. And I'm like, well, we need to create a resume for you because you have to get insurance. Right. And, and they, so the insurance is a big deal, like one of the obstacles. Um, yeah, it's a problem. They're it not going to let you drive a 60-foot boat if you've never had the experience. Right. And from what my experience has been personally, I've seen it, and maybe you can confirm this or, you know, because it changes all the time. They'll give you the 10-foot, an additional 10. Hey, you had a 30. We'll bring you to a 40. Right. You know. Uh, but once you start getting over that 60 mark, they start getting into, like, you need a captain, yes. captain's license. Yeah, there's 60. And all that good yeah. stuff and it sort of becomes like a shocker and right it it's becomes a big shocker i mean i think most people aspire that's the they, that's they're shooting for that 60 foot boat for mm -hmm. it just seems from a from a, a wife's perspective it checks all the marks right <laughs> the spaces are big enough it reminds them of their new york condo when they're in college sure uh it has all the space that you know the separation of space so they, have they own, see a 70 footer <laughs> well until they see a 70 footer right. or a hundred footer sure. or then the new catamaran that that looks like a mega yacht because it's you know 60, it's so wide it's 60 feet long and 30 feet wide which right. is a problem too, right? I mean, they, you know, as we step through these, the catamaran is great. I mean, I've I've stepped on board a few of the luxury ones, and it's awesome. 
there's nowhere to park it unless you could get a T dock someplace, right. which is just not. Maybe there's five available <laughs> right in the area, it's, and uh, most people don't think about that. Where you, right? So it's all about that they don't think about it. And just from a business standpoint, look, I've dealt with brokers before. There's tons of people out there. Uh, you walk in the door, they're selling you anything. Right. And without the idea of, all right, what do I do now? Here's the keys. What about insurance? Well, they'll scramble to get you insurance and do what they have to do at the deal time. But there are so many caveats um, you know, on the insurance side, and it's dangerous. We'll talk a little bit about that you know, as we, as we go fo- sure. back there because insurance is a, bi- a big it's, component of this. It's a big component. Um, so people come in. Mm-hmm. And the standard is, hey, uh, we love this boat. This will be great. I, used to dr- I could drive these boats. Probably, oh, what, I need a captain. Okay, because the, the insurance company. So they figure they'll just go out and hire a guy because you can get somebody who does that. Uh, you get on the boat, and we're going to go out and enjoy the weekends, go to the Bahamas. It'll be great. And then, then all of a sudden, they hit a wall like at the speed, like a missile might hit. <laughs> Right, well, they and uh, yeah. and it's and it's like, where do I get insurance? I didn't know all these other details in the insurance policy were there that I needed to operate. Uh, I have a maintenance issue. Who's going to haul this out? Right. Uh, who's going to fix it? Is the is it manufactured somewhere in Europe? Uh, who can lift this boat out? Because it's not like lifting out a a small runabout. It's a, you know, a weight issue, yards, right? Yeah. So there's a handful of people. And then where do you hire a captain? And who's qualified? And what are the standards? Well, you know, and thing. you suddenly you find what these people are doing. They start shooting dollars and writing checks. I'll buy that service. I'll take this, and they just run into disappointment. Well, right. And then they run into disappointment. Then what they do is like, hey, it doesn't matter what I spend. I'm never getting out on the water. How you doing? Let's sell this thing. I'm pissed off. It's not what I expect it to be. And you're out of the market. From a business standpoint, and even a manufacturer standpoint, it's bad. It's bad for business. You can have somebody who could come in and buy a 60-footer, which ranges anywhere from, let's say, $2 million to $10 million these days, right? right? And they have the money to do that and the income to maintain it and manage it, but they can't get the help and support or the right help and support that they need, so they're out. I mean, imagine having people oh. who could buy things worth millions of dollars to be literally discarded, right. and they're never coming back. And you know, it's a it's a I mean, bad it's a it's bad a bad it's a, situation. It's a very bad situation, and it's one I speak at IYBA all the time, and Yaba and all the major associations mm-hmm. talking about how us as an industry need to pivot and change. There was a period of time where there were so many of those people that you could have the attitude that, well, you know, there's this guy, there's going to be two more walking in the door. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to give them the, the standard of care and service that they desire or need or or the education or the, the leadership, right? And so I always th- look at it, you have to begin with the end in mind. And the end in mind is I want clients for life. I want people to love the boating lifestyle and exit loving it as much as they entered it. Mm -hmm. And doing that is educating them and helping them get all these items up front so they know what their budget's going to be. 
And you know, most people, you're right, most people have in this marketplace the throughput to make it happen. They can afford to spend, you know, 20 grand a month in housing the boat and whatnot. You know, so my first thing I tell people is when you're buying a boat, look at it like you're buying a thoroughbred horse. You're either gonna be investing in that thoroughbred horse that could break his leg and be worth zero tomorrow, but you wanna treat it like that thoroughbred horse, right? It needs a place to stay. It needs a trainer to train it. It needs someone to manage what it's going to do. It has to be fed, right? And it needs good veterinarian care. Because mm-hmm. if you do none of those things, you're gonna end up with a very fat, dead horse. Right, Right. And but, the- but people know that when they get, it's it's obvious, right? And we, we talked a little bit about dogs. You get the dog, <laughs> you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, the right, uh, well, all the right food and the whole bit, right? So, but when it comes to boating, right? And one of the reasons why we we started this podcast and why we wanted to get into this is that I've never seen the boating industry really change. It's still pretty much like uh, the Wild West. It's very Wild West. And there's so much money and so much, uh, you know, spent and wasted, so much angst about boating. The natural draw, you know, like it's in us to get out on the water but people are often, boaters are often, or people who buy yachts or anybody who's out on the water are often extremely disappointed. Mm-hmm. And it's not getting better. And I, I'm surprised that the manufacturers haven't come up with some standards and some operating. You know, the Coast Guard will come out and say you have to have a boating safety class. Right. All right. That's pretty much the standard. You, get, you go out and you get your, your captain's license. Um, it's the only you know, license you can get without only having license, a driver's license, right? right? You don't have to have, know how to drive to get a captain's right. license. So you need the time on the water. And then when you get into these larger boats, you need crew. But nothing is – they have not professionalized the industry. So if you go and you work on a yacht that's a 100-footer and you're going to take people over the Bahamas, you're going to go out into the open ocean – Right, you're going to go to places that don't have many resources, you know. So the people on board have to know what they're doing. They have to be prepared for any emergency, and and they know, you know, you get a good crew and it's great. But what's their career advancements? Like, right. how do they measure anything? They have no tools to go. Hey, we worked all day on the boat, you know, and then somebody comes on and says, why is the crew sitting around? Right? right. Well, you have no tools in which to manage them. No standard of care. You have no standard of care. They're working their ass off. They wind up getting burnt out. It's not worth it. Nobody appreciates their work. And, and the good ones are gone. Right. And um, same thing with the captains. How do you advance the cause? And if you flip it to aviation, another industry that you're in, if you're a mechanic, hey, you, you're, um, re- you're respected. You're, you, it's expected that you're, the world knows that you're responsible for lives. And when you sign that document and you're on those systems to make sure that you're managing things properly, it means something. Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown, and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea and provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew. Imagine ensuring the safety of your vessels and passengers with instant access to send emergency alerts and being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat. Well, you can. 
with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry, and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit VesselVanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon. If you're a captain, nobody looks, oh, look, there's a captain on, on the plane. Yeah, whatever. Right. You know, anybody could drive that thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they can't on a on a boat, but right. that's the perception. And there's just n- never, you know, what do you what do you think is the reason for that and what's the solution? Yeah. It's to that? well yeah, the reason has been it's been real easy, right? Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been a lot of casualties and a lot of whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. when there's an airplane crash, it's front page news. Sure. Um, when a boat crashes you, or runs aground or there's a soft grounding or there's a, a mishap, you, you, you usually don't hear about it. Well, you get a million views on YouTube. Oh, look, oh. The, what an idiot, right? Right. He ran well, aground. He ran aground. Right. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where as an industry, there really needs to be that book that sets mm-hmm. this is what the standard of care is expected. The aviation industry did it, but, but part of that was oversight. They, Regulation. They got regulated. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, yachting is has been historically an unregulated business sure and you know you have all these associations that work really hard at keeping us from being a regulated business Mm -hmm. and I come from the real estate side or we merged our company into a real estate onto the real estate side and particularly in California real estate's hugely regulated it's huge California (laughs) it's hugely litigious right? right and so coming from that perspective um, our mission or goal or one of the overarching things that we're trying to do is elevate the game, is to take a lot of the lessons learned on the litigious real estate side, on the standard of care that realtors need to do, what they have to disclose, all, all the things that are associated with that. We're transferring that or having to naturally transfer that to our yachting side. And so we're really trying to come up with and develop the standard of care of what it is that we want to impart onto our clients and educate them because so, they need to. Most of them aren't. Right. And so you're the feeling that, hey, listen, regulation is both good and bad, right? It is. You know, free market people <laughs> are like no regulation, but it has its place. I don't think you're going to see it in the industry, but I think that the way that you could start changing these things is that if the right companies like the type of services that you're offering right. uh, raise the standard then it's an then if the money flows to that then that'll raise the standards across the board so if you're right. successful you'll have more competition but that's fine but right. i think it's going to be market driven and um you know that's our goal in terms right. and i think that and that's that's the seg- that's my business segment right sure. we we look at we're in a unique unique lane in the maritime business mm-hmm. because we have this yacht to real estate real estate to yacht referral segment to our business and we sit under this umbrella of this global yachting enterprise i mean global real estate enterprise and we're the yachting segment of that sure. and so they're naturally having us elevate our standard of care uh, to make sure that that you know we're building clients for life but part of that is we don't want to have there to be there to be issues, right? We don't want people to be disappointed. So I come in and I go, all right, I want to buy a yacht. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know, <clears throat> so I know, right? So we'll take through the steps. Um, if I buy this, where can I dock it? Uh, where do I get it serviced? 
what things are difficult to get, where was it manufactured as a manufacturer. In business, what, what do you do? Because in addition to boats that are new, you're also selling used boats and right. some of those manufacturers out of business and how do they how are they maintained and where can I get it hauled? And is the boat, you know, where is the best place to take it? How do you make it where it's okay, I'm willing to spend the money, but if I want to use it next Tuesday, I know it's gonna work. How right. do you get me or any customer that comes in? Uh, how do you do it? Well, to make uh, it work. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a process, right? And we're doing. I'm doing working on one right now. It's it's a referral that we got from a Canadian family that have a house in in Palm Beach. Uh, obviously, they have plenty of throughput, plenty of wealth. Uh, they sold their company. They're doing well. Sure. Uh, you know, they had their brother bought a boat, so he has his experience. And I'm now assisting the other brother because it's a referral through the Ingle and Walker's network. <clears throat> um, you know, their experiences between the two brothers are like night and day mm -hmm. because I sat and really educated the second brother. All right, you wanna buy this boat, you want a 50 foot boat, let's look at a dozen of them and see which one you like. And we narrowed it down the, to an absolute brand which is the number one builder uh, and purveyor of Volvo product. Um, they do a nice job. They could do a lot better, but it's a, mm -hmm. good, it's a good boat. And, you know, basically now, we next step was to have them find a spot and not only find a, a, a slip during the peak season, but what are they going to do f during hurricane season? Where is it going to be stored and put in hurricane safe? So we then had them interview four different shipyards that could service the boat, haul the boat, and keep it during the summer months so it's safe. So th now that we've answered all those questions, they needed a yacht manager, had them interview. We got to get them a yacht manager who just happens to be a Volvo tech so he can handle the, the systems aboard the boat. And then he's also a captain, so he can also provide the captain services when they need it on their schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and made sure that they had a good contract and Google Calendar so they can make that happen, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just <clears throat> about managing expectations and managing what it is that they need to do. So are you... Um are you providing the captains or, I mean, how are you feeding we, the... We, you know, yeah. I, I provide captains like I provide all the other services. We have a list of people that we've okay. interviewed and pre-vetted. And we, we sit down with the owner and go through this list. Here's, here's five that we think are going to be a good personality fit for you that are going to get you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. um, and they come highly recommended. Here's their resumes. We vetted their resumes. Um, and so why don't you let's interview these guys and see who's going to be a fit? Because I've learned that they can call someone up and they're going to give them a line and they're going to say, give them all these hidden promises that they're not going to execute on right. because they know that they've got three other people that they can go work for. So they, they've got themselves overcommitted, mm -hmm. um, but they're not going to execute. And so we want to vet these people to make sure that they're going to execute. So what would you recommend for people that are, do they hire a captain full time? So in other words, they capture the market. <laughs> uh, is that the right thing to do? Uh, what, what's your experience out there with that? You know, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time fighting that myself. It's, 
you know, what happens with most boats, they sit 90% of the time. Right. An average owner uses his boat 100 to 150 hours a year. If you look at how many hours you have in a week or a year, it's really not that much. So to lock somebody into something where they're going to be, you know, you're only going to use them for 100 hours, doesn't, right. it's not a full utility of their time, and you're not helping them grow. Right. But if you, you know, you got to plan it right so that, Everybody wants to use this, you know, from, from November to May is the market in Florida when people can go boating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to make sure that y- you've got this guy. He's not, he's not in the Bahamas when you need him. And if so, then there's somebody else that can back him up. Right. So you, then you get into the, the nitty gritty and some of the things that, you know, people don't understand is that now you get into the insurance side of things. Right. right? So, hey, I like Joe, Bob, and Jane, whatever. You know who's ever out there. I like them. Well, you got to get them approved, right? Right. And sometimes, and this is where the industry and the insurance industry is out of sync. You know, the boating and uh, well, you can only have one captain at a time. You got to swap them out. Right. Some of the requirements, right? Uh, so if I have three captains to pull from, who do I put as the main one? And then if you want to get them changed, sometimes it takes days or even longer to make that change. It's a problem. Uh, it's a it's a problem. And a lot of people, you know, a while ago, maybe you could wing it, yeah. you know? But if you go out today and you've got a two, three, four, five million dollar boat, or even, you know, uh, you know, some of these uh, center consoles are two and three, yeah. four million dollars, right? And you think, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, he was re- registered once before, or I'll use this new guy, it'll be fine. And you don't get the approval of the insurance company, even though they have no reason not to give you the approval or have done in the past, mm-hmm. uh, chances are they won't pay that claim if that boat sinks while that captain oh, is, for sure. is on no, board for no re- And you can make all the reasons you want, but what people have to realize in those insurance contracts, the insurance company is going to stick to the words of the policy. And you, oh. had, you have to abide by it or you will not be covered. Oh, for sure. And if you don't have your boat in an approved hurricane hole or an approved Absolutely. hurricane vetted yard from from October to to you know May, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a problem. Yeah, and so. with hurricane, you know, things that people don't realize. It's um, you know, it's what it's one of the reasons too why we did the whole vessel vanguard system right. is to be able to keep track of everything that you do. Like you're tying down a boat. Well, the the people who work for you said they tied it down. Do you have pictures? Do you have video? Do you have a place to Store connect it, all that? It. Yeah. Um, and because otherwise, hey, if they told you it needs 16 lines and you agreed to it, which they do require you to put together a hurricane tie-down plan on these uh, policies, and there's only 13, <laughs> you know, or 12, whatever, right? and um, the boat sinks, even if it's still tied to the dock, uh, you're going to have a, a problem. So it's best to take pictures of these things. I'm seeing more and more uh, clauses in the insurance as well, where, hey, did you uh, get your fire bottles uh, on the boat, you know, recertified each year? Well, if they're not, and the boat sinks, no fire, hey. Guess what? Guess what? You know, and uh, it's it's becoming more and more of a problem. Uh, You know, what came first? I guess the the chicken or the egg in this industry, people would just uh, leave their boats tied up with a couple of ropes, leave for the season, 
leave their air conditionings running. They would die out. Then they would have mold or mildew or hose would break and it would sink. And, uh, or a hurricane would get by and it would get destroyed. And now all of a sudden the insurance companies are like, hey, holding the bag for enormous sums of money. Right. So they flipped the whole thing to be extremely restrictive, you know, heavy-duty requirements that the uh, policy owner has to read all the way through. So somebody new coming in will have no idea None whatsoever. that they need to get their fire bottles um, Recertified, <laughs> recertified every year, or you just right? Throw them away or you and go basically, to get new ones, right? Yeah. Or you basically are at an enormous insurance premium, and you're not covered. You know, yeah. and uh, I know there's variables. People call up and say, "Hey, you know, there's different policies," but you're seeing that more and more. How do you protect me as the as the customer? How do you do it? <laughs> we do it by just trying to educate them. It's it's mm -hmm. really we begin with them getting insured. It's, I, I, you know, the first conversation that we have is with them is, well, two, two. One, you need to get insured, so let's talk about and interview insurance companies. So here's three different guys that I think are great, who have a, have great coverages of people that are, mm -hmm. that are in, you know, and, and this last, Ian has, you know, decimated. There are only a handful of insurers that will insure in Florida, and their standard of care has gone way up. Mm -hmm. And so we start there. It's interview. Find out what your your impediments are going to be for what you are. If you may not be set up for a sixty foot boat, we may be looking for a forty foot boat mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to your budget, your throughput, and insurance is going to park you. With the idea that once you get experience, we can grow you up. Or if you want to be at sixty, the insurance company is going to dictate what it is you need, who the right. captain's going to be, where you're going to keep the boat, what the standard cares are going to be, whether and some are even saying, hey. If you don't get your boat out of Florida, you're not going to be insured. So park it to the safest spot you can because, sorry, we're, we're out of the game. Right. You know, so then these guys have to realize that their $3 million bucks is uh, self-insured at that point in time and be comfortable with it. Right. Um, but at least that they know. They know. Because everybody's shocked when the well, shit hits the fan. Right. right? It's the unknown. And if you're d dealing with a broker and a broker agency whose who's thing is don't disclose or don't have a conversation because you don't want to blow the deal up. Mm -hmm. We come from, a, from the perspective that we want to build clients for life. And some of our clients are people who have been in the part of the Ingle and Volkers real, you know, family for years. They've done multiple deals with their Ingle and Volkers advisor and they finally transfer that trust to us. So our standard of care from that perspective has to be really high because we don't want to ruin that right you know, we don't 10 want to, million dollar house sale. right we, or from could, the other rep in your company that'll come and kill you right, right. you know right. and so it's, that's the last thing we want mm -hmm. i mean and it, and it could be as far as no it's like someone some family office that just sold a ranch or they're repositioning mm -hmm. their assets and we get pulled in to help what are we going to do with grandfather's mega yacht? It's right. the family had a lot of fun with it. They want it, no part of it. They get don't want it. Right. right. It, and so how do we reposition that and get them out of that? And, mm -hmm. and whether it's donated or whether, whether it gets redesigned and rebuilt and put to a new standard so we can sure. sell it. Um, you know, you find a lot of boats in our, our life experience where it was grandfather's boat. Grandfather went, grandma's still alive. The cleaners clean the boat. Mm -hmm. It looks immaculate, but it hasn't. No one's decided to start it or turn anything on <laughs> for years, right? You open the bilge and you're like, 
Oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go down. <laughs> it's like, how is this boat still floating? Right? Exactly. Uh, because no one's run anything or done anything or even bothered that, you know, maybe they think green is good. Right. Green, green's not good. Right. Right. <laughs> not, not in your belt. <laughs> not in the belt, right? And so it's it's And who knows what underneath looks like, right? Oh what, yeah. it's it you just it, it just begins there. And so then it's just So you'll help people actually get the you know, uh get it up to Yeah. Cleaned up, get it prepared for sale. We'll put yeah, we will go through the process to get the right you know, let's 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 begin with just why don't we just get it, uh, give it, get a surveyor to come in and survey sure. it, and have an independent, and <laughs> right, and <laughs> right. hope that he, whatever he's poking at doesn't right. cause a major issue, right? right. Um, but you know, it's starting, it's beginning with that, so you have a platform, and then we can have the discussion with the trust and and where they need to go <clears throat> to get rid of that asset to make room for what the next generation of kids want to get, mm -hmm. right? They want to get the new center console that has all this stuff, but none of them have gone to a boating course sure. and know what they need to. And so we then There's say, a whole other set, you know, we go back to the insurance on that, you know, you get the speed. Right. Outboards are, hey, steal them left and right in South Florida. So there's all these other issues that come. It's, you know, people just don't. There are so many um, unknown potholes right. in the road. Um, and we can't we can't think of them all. Right. But we have a we're developing a good list of. In, you know, of questions that we have and just to kind of give people a basic. Um, so on those questions, right, how do you get, I've been boating, I mean, right. it's a long time, right? And part of the problem with boating, if anything, is that you always buy the wrong boat mm -hmm. because what you want to use it for today is great and then you'll use that same boat for something else tomorrow and it's not practical. Right. You know, hey, I really need to, and I just want to run out a couple of miles offshore, do some fishing, come back in, center console, great. Right. Now you get the family, all of a sudden, where are they going to sit? <laughs> you and know, the kids the will go flying. All right, we need something else. So maybe I'll get a fast, faster boat with a cutty kit. It never seems to match up. So right. the higher up you go the more you sort of have to get it right to keep that customer long-term. How do you... Mm -hmm. um, it's it's having a dialogue. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really spending time and having a dialogue and going through a checklist of, of you know, not only what the husband wants to do, but what the wife wants to do mm -hmm. and how she, you know, what, I mean, the typical one is that the husband's all gung-ho, but the, he's going to be driving. Who's going to be tending the lines and throwing the fenders over and actually getting the boat docked? It's the wife, right? And it's actually, it should not happen. <laughs> it should, it not. should be against the law because it probably costs oh. a fortune in divorce or... Maim and just pain and suffering, right? The pain and suffering. But hey, you know, what's really good out there now is those uh, electronic yeah. controls. Well, which, Volvo's doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dockmate too. I think I I use. I was. I mean, I'm. I'm Some very comfortable with the, you know, just uh, the the throttles, you know, and putting it in. Uh, and I was very skeptical about these things, but now you could literally. Oh, let me go check to see if I'm close to the back. <laughs> right. All right. Little zap on this joystick. 
It's amazing. As you run around, you tie. Very good for the family, excellent for the marriage. Skyhook's amazing. And I mean, Skyhook is amazing. Yeah. And I for mean, those who don't know, it's basically you go out anywhere in the water, you push a button, and it holds your boat right over <laughs> a position, which is... Yeah. If but and ha, and now we'll jump into the you know the the cool stuff, the new uh, Mercury Verados the six hundreds with the skyhook. Yeah. They don't make any noise because the bottom is uh, doing all just it. pivots and you hear not. It's um. And and with the hydraulic shifting, it shifts it's quietly. Much There's no more clunking. Quiet. It's right. It's it is it is very gentle. You know they're getting really good at it. I mean, it obviously Volvo was the first. The right. guys figured out if you angle things and you you thrust it different, the boat will actually go sideways and do sure. all these wonderful things. And then that technology is now in the you know the outboard market. Mercury's taking it to the next step with the six hundreds. Mm -hmm. um, what tomorrow will be? I mean, right. it, it's cool stuff. It's right. cool stuff. <laughs> I mean, and yacht controller they figured out how to get a straight shaft boat with thrusters to do the same thing. Sure. Um, Vovo now has their their dock mate where you put the reflectors on the dock and and the system picks up the reflectors and it will actually dock itself. Um, all those systems. That's are a, well, you see, something like that is really a big deal because when people go out on boats. They think it's easy, and then they get out and they're like terrified. Right. And it's like, what the hell do I do? How do I get this boat tied up? Um, and uh, having those aids are great because most people panic. They hit that throttle. You know, the thing to docking is just go slow. Right. I, if you, it doesn't matter how bad it is. It does. You not. could go sideways. You could embarrass yourself. But if you tap, you know, you're going to get scrapes yeah. at. At, at, at worst, worst. You I know. tell people you go slow like a pro or fast like a right. right? Okay, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> right, slow like a pro or fast like an ass. It's uh, you know going slow. There's nothing wrong with slow. Sure. And like you said, if if you know you, uh, you never go faster than wanting. To, you know, if you have a hard boiled egg, do you want to crack the shell or crush the egg? Right. You right. Just want, you want to hit so you're cracking the shell. Right. And if you you can any any landing you can walk away from is a terrific lander. Sure. They say that in airlines. And right when you're learning to fly, you landed, you can walk away. That's a great landing. You might bounce twice along the way, yeah. but it, you, at least you walked away. <laughs> so listen, you go out there and you want to dock. And then when you're in front of a crowd, you're like, oh God, <laughs> right? Oh. No matter how, you know, as you get better at it, you know, it doesn't phase you, but it takes a long time. So, um, um, but it, picked it, up a boat and with this dock ma made on it thing. And I said, no, I'm going to just dock this with the throttles and I'll just do it right. because I feel more comfortable. And the guy who was picked it up over in Fort Lauderdale, and we're coming back around to uh, Naples, and um, he said, you don't understand. I said, no, I want to just ease it in. I want to get a feel for the boat. He's like, listen, the key with docking is cheat. <laughs> it is, you cheat. Cheat because, uh, and, and to some extent, look, you want to do it. It's right. like, hey, how do I start a fire? Great, I know how to start a fire without a match. Great, now I don't have to do it, I'll use it lighter. You know, it's, it's good to know the basics of docking just in case your systems well, go out and so you're not panicking or something comes up. But for the most part, these tools are great because they do make a big difference. Oh. And they can get you in, you know, you've got current, you've got wind, you've got all these factors, new areas. That, I mean, if you go to Marathon, you got the wind coming one way. You got a, you know, the 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 uh, river going the other river way. Going the the other way. way. And um, 
you know, crazy. The, the tools almost take all that angst and that risk out of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, joystick is 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 changed changed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yacht controller, all those systems are great. And you know, one of the things that we do is we always make sure they all work. Go out, test them, make sure that the the, the right personality is attached to the joystick sure. so it does everything. Uh, that that skyhook keeps you within your one meter circle so you're not not going anywhere crazy or if it's all of a sudden the system switches and you're reversing now in full reverse because there's the computer one of the switches wasn't right um, it's making sure all those things are perfect to begin mm-hmm. with like I said getting back to beginning with the end in mind right sure and then you know just teaching people how to do that I mean we always go out and find a buoy and say okay here let's use the joystick and let's let's walk ourselves around this buoy and touch it with all, all corners of the boat, mm-hmm. just so you get an understanding <clears throat> of, of, you can really run this thing gently. Um, and that's, you know, it's, that's the key. So when you go out, do you, you take the, the owner out or, and, and uh, you give them some training time? Mm-hmm. Um, do you go through it all? Like uh, most people don't use their anchors. Oh. Do they go through, you know, all of a sudden, you know, is it ele- you know, is an electric anchor? Are the batteries charged? How long can you hold, you know? Right. What, even on the joysticks, what can you, how long can you use them for? If they're not uh, hydraulic, you've got time limits there. Yeah. Um, how do you pull an anchor out if it, you know, if it gets jammed? What do you do with that windlass if it doesn't work? Because um, <clears throat> I think when people get into those situations, it could be traumatic for them. Oh, and then yes. you could get somebody who's like, hey, I lost my uh, engine and I started drifting into something. I'll never be in that situation. Here's the keys. Sell it. Goodbye. Right. It's a you've big lost, problem. You've lost a client. You've for lost life, a though. client for life. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's crazy. We, we, we try to go through all the basics. I mean, and, you know, make sure that people have the basic understanding of how their windlass works. You know, the, make sure the fuse switch is popped mm-hmm. and, and reset before you leave the dock. So in case you lose your motors, you can anchor and call me or call, you know, right, call somebody for help. get somebody right. to call and come come and help you. Uh, that's the nice thing about Florida. There's plenty of out, people out there to help you because there's so much stuff going on sure. because there's so many boaters that go out boating that aren't prepared or educated. Um, as an industry, we we have to do a better job of raising the standard of care and having everybody have a, a basic understanding. When I grew up sailing, um, the 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 purveyor of basic knowledge was the Red Cross. You had this Red Cross mm-hmm. manual, and if you could follow that, uh, you you were it. And one of the first things that I worked on as a young man was we need to elevate the game and give mm-hmm. everybody a standard of care so that all yacht clubs taught sailing to the same degree and since then you know asa was formed and asa has done a great job of creating a powerboat course and a basic sailing course that give people um that's that's basic knowledge Mm -hmm. and i always recommend all my clients you know if you're on the sailboat side go get your asa 101 and just know how to do have this instructor teach you all the basics so you have a, a platform to go from you know in the old days people would buy a boat you'd give them a six pack of beer you push them off the dock <laughs> yeah. and 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 off they go and they would try to learn learn how to go boating by trial and error right and fortunately you know some places are better than that i mean southern california is a perfect spot to learn by trial mm-hmm. and error you have you know mediterranean weather there's not a lot of current there's not a lot of bad weather all the channels are wide and deep there's nothing to run into so you know you can you can those people had a long runway to to learn what they needed to do right uh 
other places like South Florida, um, it's you, you, you have a very short runway because you can look in a harbor and you go, oh my God, that's such a great estuary and harbor. You don't realize that 90% of it's probably two feet deep. Right. And, and if you try to transverse it, it's gonna, you're not gonna look good. Right, and, they, and they, there's so many people out there that just don't, <clears throat> that just don't know. Don't know. And, and, it, uh, and it's, um, look, but the industry's booming regardless. So the industry has the lure to the water and the short memory, right? It, well, it does because it's, you know, there's another person going to walk in the door because demand mm -hmm. is high. But, you know, I look at it, we want to create clients for life and we want to we have boaters be safe. And I want to hear their stories when I call them up a year later to check in on them and mm -hmm. see how it's going. Um, which is something we do. I think that most people don't. We, mm. we, we follow up with our clients every six to 12 months just to check in and make sure that, that they're doing well and then remind them, oh, by the way, your annual service is probably coming up and you probably should think about, you know, getting, getting that looked at. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not like boats aren't like cars, right? Cars, you have a you have a sticker, you have a you, your car, a little sensor comes off and right. says that's oh. annoying. Change your oil, change, and you finally give it up and go get the oil change, right? Right. You know, your, your boat, most boats don't have. They that. don't have anything like that, right? And so, you know, you you know, Mercury's getting better at it with their computer. It's mm -hmm. getting. It's not there yet. It's getting better. Sure. Volvo's trying to get there. It'll get better. Um, but for the most part, any boat that's you know 15 years or older, there's it's as analog as it can be. There's nothing sure. there, and and unless you were diligent about it, um, it's you're fighting a losing battle. Well, it's also in the industry. It's uh, hey, I'll do it on an annual basis. I'll mm -hmm. look at it once a year, um, or uh, I'll fix it when it breaks. Right. And it's not necessarily, it's not a car. You can't just pull over to the side of the road, right? Right. It's not, uh, it's not a plane where you're going to fall out of the sky. So you have this. Manual. Weird, yeah. yeah, I don't use the thing much. I'm sure it's fine. It worked the last time. And in boating, weeks or even months could go by and you could think that you went out last week. Right. It's just a. Oh, it could you know, be. Because yeah. you have to months, convince yourself <clears throat> that you're paying all this money. You use it all the time and you don't. But. Right. Um, so what about, you know, what's, do you guys offer like training? Uh, I met some people a couple of years ago and they said, hey, they bought a boat, but they went out to a school over like in Stewart mm -hmm. and they took a class for a week where they actually took them out and they used right. the boats. They learned how to dock. They learned how to anchor. They learned about the basic systems on the boats. I mean, I think that everybody, again, I don't, not into regulation, but I think if you, I think it's more of the education, hey, you know, you're going to buy this thing, you should take some of these courses because they're real hands-on. The boating safety course, hey, what do you do when you see a green buoy? And uh, right. check the box and who well, has a right away, you know, port, starboard. All the but it's not, has nothing to do with what do you do when you're out there. Right. How do you dock the boat? How do you anchor it? How do you, wh which side of the buoys do you stay on? You guess. Right. You know, so yeah. do you ever put clients in that way or are clients not willing to do, you know, there's also got to be some resistance from clients. It's not all the industry. Hey, right. this is no problem. I'll just start the thing up and go. Right. How do you? Well, you're, you're dealing with people's egos, right? right? And, you know, when somebody's, I always tell people, people buy with their hearts. Right, so mm -hmm. they fall in love and they buy their boat with their heart. 
mm-hmm. not with their mind, with their heart. Um, you know, their heart doesn't go through all the what ifs, right? Sure. Only when it gets to, they start thinking about it logically. And uh, once people start thinking about boating logically, then it's like the most illogical thing, right? To do, right? <laughs> right? Um, and then you you deal with all the what ifs. But to to fight up fight the what ifs and and you know why should I why should I not be doing this is education and, and letting them know that that you know there's all kinds of resources that people can go like the boating course you're talking about in Stewart. There's all kinds of, of basic power boating courses that the ASA is putting together and there's a lot of boating clubs that are putting those together. I fully expect Freedom Boat Club's going to put together something like that just because sure. they have to protect their own assets. Um, and it's but some- you you mentioned ego. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, it's a problem everywhere, yeah. right? It's a problem, not just boating, it's a problem everywhere. And um, I guess in this case, people are expected, I could drive a boat, you oh, know, yeah. I could do it. If he could do it or she could do it, I could do it. And you see that in all aspects of, of life. But, you know, just in general, it's good, it's good practice to park your ego. There's a time and a place for it. Right. There really is. I mean, it's there for a purpose, but oftentimes it winds up getting you, you know, you pay, hey, you you did the bravado thing, but mm-hmm. then when reality hits, your ego will be crushed because, <laughs> you know, the results of your actions that others will ultimately oh, sure. see. Um, you know, and I, I would just recommend to me, if you don't, it's fine to say I have no idea. I can't tell you how many business meetings I've been in. Um, you know, uh, anywhere. And I hear something and I'm trying to follow it and I have no idea and nobody else does either. But I have no problem saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're all trying to learn that, that right. as, as you as you build your business and whatnot, you want to get to the point where you're the dumbest person in the room, right? If you're doing a mega yacht transaction, you're probably the you know if you're a sales guy, you're the dumbest person in the room because they've got you know a dozen attorneys on either side right. working through the structure of how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, I tell all, all my owners, you know, it's okay to be the you know let let the let go of the wheel like. A chimpanzee can fly a plane, but would you let a chimpanzee land the plane? Right. Right. And most planes today, they get 90% landed and then the pilot touches it down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Boats are getting there. It'll be a point where it'll get 90% there. Um, Every great boating day, every great day on the water is ruined the last five feet to the dock, Mm -hmm. right? The last five feet to the dock is, is like a plane touching down. It's just that's where the, where the rubber meets the road sure. and you're either going to either going to have that audience clapping and saying gosh I can't believe you did that or you have people trying to rush to your aid while your boat has a giant scratch and and so <laughs> somebody... I think it's to keep going right number 1 who cares like it really doesn't matter that person on the dock who's like laughing at you will probably crash into something oh, a few sure. weeks later uh, and they really don't matter no. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, from the ego standpoint, I think if you go in, I think people don't look at boating as, okay, I'm on, what does this mean? You know, and going through steps like, okay, I'm out on the water. I got to get attached. If to go back, I got to get, I got to be able to dock. Right. If I'm out on the water, what happens if something happens? Where are my life jackets? If, if something breaks, what do I do? How do I maintain control of the situation when something unexpected happens? Mm-hmm. And if you go through some of those basics, 
it does take a lot of the angst out of boating mm -hmm. <clears throat> because things will break. Things will go wrong. You can dock that boat 50 times perfectly in a wind and you feel all great about yourself. And one day you'll come in and you'll just turn a little too wide and go, oh, shit, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you come in for that anchor. It just happens. Yeah. And it happens to the best of us. And you really do have to check the ego mm -hmm. at the dock because you'll keep yourself safer. Right. And you'll... Um, have a lot less aggravation and angst and expect things will go wrong, but know what you're going to do if they go wrong. Right. And well, if you have a plan, then it's just, all right, well, the boat stalled, we got a tow in, it was a non-event. Absolutely. Get it fixed, well, you know? and you think about it, when you when you are loading on a plane next time, you look into the pilots, what do they have? They have in their lap uh, a the checklist. A checklist. Which of course here's a plug for Vessel Vanguard. Right. You have all that stuff, right? <laughs> right. And, but I mean uh, it's it's important. I mean uh, it's important that they have a checklist. Sure. Um, you know, I I give we help our owners create checklists and you know if you're going to plan for a trip you know what's the weather going to be like what's 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 this you know what sort of weather window do you have to go boating and what are the odds of you know if it's thundering out maybe you should be coming home because it's it's not going to be you know More good so what do you do if you're stuck in a thunderstorm right you know because sometimes you're just gonna have to deal with it you just have to wait it out right and, um, you know, you, you talk about the checklist, you talk about what's good for the, the marriage. It's not only just throwing the ropes over when you're on longer trips. Who's going down and checking the bilge? Right. Right, which is critical. Nobody even thinks, thinks about that. Like, right. should I do it? Yeah, you're just going away. Something doesn't seem right. A small leak appears. Right. The only time you're going to know it was when you hear uh, bilge alarms going on and you got, you know, two feet of water. Yeah. In your boat, which you know is a problem. So there's so many things to consider. Well, it's the whole safety at sea consideration. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, off. You know, I grew up doing a lot of offshore racing and offshore sailing, and uh, before there was ever a safety at sea orientation, like how do you how do you get, how do you deploy your 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 life raft and how do you get in it? And sure. Where do you, what do you take with you? And what do you do when your boat is sinking? Um, you know, it's it's beginning with the end in mind. What sort of plan in place to make that happen? And you know, it took a few accidents and issues before people said, "Well, maybe what we need to do is have everybody who, before they race to Hawaii, go through this course to mm -hmm. know, you know, jump in a pool with your life jacket on and inflate." What is it like? What's it like to be out in the water in a right. life jacket? Right. right, just to experience it. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, when I grew up. You know, the, the, our, the standard was: Can you jump off the dock and swim ashore? I'm like, well, that's like what 50 feet. I can, I can, <laughs> I can jump halfway there, right? Right, right. <laughs> but you know, it's it's having that. You know, I don't tell all my, you know, have all my clients put their life jacket on and tread water for 10 minutes for me. Mm -hmm. But it's something that that is definitely the industry should have people consider, um, and especially know that their anchor works before they leave, because sure. you, you, if there's an issue, you can anchor and wait it out, right? And you're not going to end up on the beach someplace. You sure. know, last thing I want is a phone call saying, hey, we had a problem and we're bouncing off the beach. And that's... Yeah, because that's... It's not good. That's now, a, I don't mind them saying, hey, I ran into my lift because I didn't have it low enough. Uh, but, you know, I go, at least you were 
you're going in the right direction, right? right? right. Um, you know, but it's practicing those sort of items. Like, you know, it, how it, do you get on and off your lift? And how do you, what do you do when you leave? Do you leave the lift in the water? Or, you know, it's just those standard of care items that, that make things better um, in the long term. And so it's just adding to the list of knowledge. Well, I think that, look, in the absence of information, people think the worst, right? Right. You know, and uh, <clears throat> as soon as, uh, if you don't know something and something goes wrong, it's the worst, you know, right. panic sets in. It oh. just, it becomes a serious well, issue it, it, and you should know how these things work and expect, you know, that you'll come across them. And if you, if you have a plan of action or you know what to do, oh my God, there's water coming in the build. All right, where is it? coming from right where are your seacocks yeah. start there well hey is your engine leak you know just the basics where 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 does can water get in barring that you crashed into something right you know it's just knowing those 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 egress points and you know there's something that we tell people that i don't think any other broker or whatnot i we part of their plan and part of the plan that they, that we have the captain do is every every time he's on board is to exercise the seacock make sure. sure it closes make sure it opens um because you never know when you need it to close mm -hmm. and you know my life experience every seacock known to mankind probably hasn't been touched in years uh if you don't exercise it the the grease turns to wax wax mm -hmm. start, it freezes up and you can't get it closed um the last thing you want to be doing is trying to put a pipe on it and close it when it's leaking because it's already fatigued so right. now you're just helping the fatigue you snap it and make it work <laughs> right and then every seacock needs to have a plug in the relative's vicinity mm -hmm. for that in case moment it does, so you can sure. put the plug in to keep it from sinking. Um, you know, we do all, every sailboat before you do a long distance race gets inspected by a group of inspectors that go through their checklist to make sure, all right, you have all these things. And you never think of why that was important until you read <clears> about <throat> one of your friends who had a problem. But the same thing goes with everyday boating. Sure. You know, well, it, the engine. The engine seacocks are the most overlooked. I mean, they're the biggest. Right. They're, oh, I don't want to touch that. Will it interfere with the engine? <laughs> and then if they, you know, you get a broken hose there or something goes wrong, yeah. now you're pumping enormous amounts of water in. And it doesn't take long. Right, it, it doesn't take long. You know, and it, and what most people don't realize is most, most batteries are set low in the bilge. Oh, yeah. And so it doesn't take long or much water to get to the point where the batteries are underwater. And then once they're underwater, well, they're they're no longer going to do their job. Right. They, they, Your they, bilges are gone. Everything's gone. Yeah. And so it's just uh, going to get worse from there. And so it's educating people so they understand, like, here's your list. It has... Whoever's maintaining the vessel, have they exercised the seacocks? Do they do they know they open and close? Is is there the appropriate um, float to, to to close it off in case it breaks itself? And then just when you're getting the bottom done, it, those are those are easy items to replace with new. Sure, their, their overall expense and the overall th scheme of things isn't that that high. And you know if it's starting to turn color. And it wasn't properly grounded, or there's an issue. Well, I don't think anybody knows what that means. Right. I mean, if they saw it, they wouldn't even know. Well, true. You know about grounding. It's a. It's a. Actually, on your annual, I'll get your ground checked. 
yeah. all the time. Uh, you know, when you pull that boat out of the water, whatever the case is, or you've got it back in. I mean, make sure because those, those straight currents are, are, there's so much, right? <laughs> so now you jump in through that, you got two boats coming down the line, so you get into the the dollars. You have one that just doesn't pay any attention to the things that you you've said. Hey, listen, these are the things you should do and recommend. And it comes in same year, same make model. Another person comes in with the same boat and says, "Okay, we want to sell them." Mm -hmm. And they have checked their seacocks. They have done their maintenance. They know where things are. They know how to operate the boat, and they pull it in. Same year, same make model, same hours. What sells faster and what sells for more? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. <laughs> Maybe but the it, color, you know, counts, right? right? Color counts. No, it's it's you're always I mean, I'm always educating my buyers that you're buying their sellers, previous seller's standard of care. Mm -hmm. You're buying how much they love their boat, but how much they really cared for it. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's just like if you're buying a horse, is the horse exercise lean? Is mm -hmm. he ready to race? Is he ready for that polo ground experience? Is that the, the horse has a good gait? Or is the horse kind of overweight, kind of limping and whatnot? Right. You they would, loved it. They fed it whatever it wanted. Right. And they now it's it. fat. You can't run. <laughs> <laughs> they both got used the same hundred hours sure. a year, but one one looks like it's ready to be a thoroughbred in it. And that's where you want to put the value in. Mm -hmm. It's going to sell for more, a lot more. Because mm -hmm. what we do, you know, with every survey and everything, you start backing out all those standard care items that the owner hadn't done. Mm -hmm. all, right, all right, we got to put a new bottom on it. We got to replace all the seacocks. All the hoses need to be replaced because that person didn't do that work while they owned it. Right. I don't and, even think they, I don't even think people know what they have. Paid for. I, I've, uh, you know, you go through some of these surveys and. Um, for sure. Uh, it's just, they just uh, don't know. They don't know where the, even the invoice is. Right. And they're just, look, I want to get rid of this thing, whatever. If that's what the cost is, take it. And you get all these deductions after the surveys, you know, after the, the right. pre purchase surveys. And sometimes the work is actually done. Right. You know, we had a guy where he had a, his thousand hour uh, inspection on his cats. And you got to take the, right, the, whole, the, thing the whole thing apart for the coolant. And, and like on some of these boats, like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 per engine. Like the numbers are outrageous. And he was ready to give up right. the forty dollars or $50,000, whatever the cost was, <laughs> to do both engines. Because right. he didn't know the last time he did maintenance on it or whatever the case is, had no idea that it was done. Right. But so without the records, without, without knowing. All that. yeah. And then they just, and a lot of times, because they're so aggravated with the boat, they just get rid of it, and a lot of money goes away. So a lot of money's left on the table without the records. Um, and, and I think it also says to the buyer, you know, if you got a boat that's well taken care of, I'm going to have, you know, this guy worked out all the problems. I'm going to have, if I continue to just maintain it the proper way, I'll do it. Well, it's like buying a used car, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's does the car does the used car have a good Carfax, right? Does it right. have a good record? Do you know that all the items that that said that should have been done were done? Were done? Sure. Or did you just buy it from some guy who just well, I don't know? And you know, you'd never know. The boat, the the car just went through a hurricane and was under four feet of water, <clears> but it's working just fine now. So, but you know what? The interesting thing is that on a car, you can wax it up, clean it up. Mm -hmm. Change the oil real quick, and you wouldn't know the difference. Right. On a boat, 
it takes a beating. And if you don't stay in front of it, right. you, there is no hiding it. No. You know, you, the, you got a mess. You, you it, get that bilge dirty and leave it that way. It's not getting clean real easy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so true. And, you know, it's, it's buying that standard of care. And, you know, you, that standard of care is either going to show up, um, you know, at, it's going to show up at the survey and show up on the work. And if the mm -hmm. person doesn't have the maintenance logs, there's plenty of guys that say, yeah, all this work was done. And they might have, someone might have said they did the work. Mm -hmm. But then again, then they going to Go into you know, uh, certified service centers that'll actually keep the work, you know, where right. you, you go to the right place. If you go to Mercury, they have all the records. It goes Not some guy who just changed a few spark plugs, right? right. Well, it's, it's, you know, the parts of the industry is going in the right way. They, mm -hmm. they, it's, they, the, the boat has a computer, the computer logs every fault. Gives it, it everything, it right. It knows every, it has the whole, it knows the history of everything. Um, and that's easy to be found once they plug their computer in and they start asking you, well, why'd you keep trying to run it with the low battery? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, it's just one of those things, right? Right. It, it's, it, knowledge is powerful, right? right. And, and knowing, knowing what you're buying, going in there educated, uh, we tell, we do a lot of our, a lot of our sellers, um, we'll go to them and say, let's do a, let's do a, now that we're listing it, let's do a, let's do a pre-purchase survey, but let's do it now. Um, let's find out let's find out what grandfather forgot to do or what you mm -hmm. guys have forgotten to do since grandfather hasn't been around. Um, and the guys that have been taking care of it because they may have said they've done this work and billed you for it. But if no one's, you know, trust, but verify, no right. one's verifying it, then let's, let's verify it now. So let's take it now where you get to a place where, you know, the whole thing about the boating industry and I get look, it's addictive. It is. And once you're in it, you know, that one day on the water, that one great day on the water sort of like blocks out 50 oh. bad days, right? right? And time suddenly makes you deliberately forget oh, yeah. <laughs> the problems. Um, but there are a lot of times where people come in and come in, hey, I want a boat. And if you start talking to them and you're honest with them, how many will walk away who are not addicted yet? Uh, a few. I mean, <laughs> and have, I you, have you been so bold to take that attitude and approach? You yeah. don't have to answer that. No, if you no. Don't actually, want to. we have. We've, you know, it's it's verifying your clients and and their dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that, I mean, we I look at the market different. We want we want people to be clients for life and love boating and be mm -hmm. advocates for boating and be that that refer that referral source for ten other people who are ready to be in boating sure. some people aren't ready to be in boating They're, mm. they they have the dream they might have gotten an, a quick cash infusion and, and want to go um but you know it, once you start educating them then you, you find out that the wife and the husband aren't on the same page that They're, absolutely has well, to be or else you're in trouble right <laughs> and you know uh it runs into a lot of times we'll be talking to a a physician, a doctor, mm -hmm. and you know these guys uh, that are working in the hospital wards. They they go at two weeks at a time, so that's their life for two weeks and home life for two weeks. Sure, the two weeks uh, in between when they're at at the hospital, they're uh, they're looking at everything that has to do with boating because they real that's a passion. It's an, but it's also like escape, right? <laughs> it's an yeah, escape, like right? It's an escape from all the what's what they have what they're dealing with mm -hmm. on an hourly sure. basis, right? And these guys are working. 12, 14 hour days, but when they're not working, well, their escape is going to be boating. Sure. But they, 
may not necessarily share that escape with the rest of their family. Right. And once we start getting them together and educating them and going through and saying, this is what we're at, well, then we find out that while he's 90%, he's ready to go, this is the first time she's heard about it. Well, you know, <laughs> you go into the, well, who's going to throw the ropes? Oh, it's easy to throw the ropes. What's the big deal? But the bigger you get, I mean, a one-inch line. Yeah. You know, fifty feet long is not something. Well, and, and that's gonna, where and that's where right. we start saying, you know, you need to have a, a a host or hostess go with you. You need a deckhand to go right. with you. So you have a captain and a deckhand, and, and and some people don't want that. There's a whole bunch right. of things, but you know, what's interesting about your business model is that if your clientele are coming in and you're going through these processes and you're and you're taking them through there, uh, and you're being honest with them, mm -hmm. and they decide not to buy a boat. There's no way they're not listing their house with you, right? right? Or if they want to buy a plant, right? I right. mean, because it's not where you get honesty, you know, and, and one of the core things about customer service and support is to be honest with your customers right. and make them first. Mm -hmm. If they get that sense, they're going to go out of their way to use you any way they can, and they're going to recommend the hell out of you, right? Right. So it's a it's an interesting approach that you have, it's, and I think it's and I think it's a good one to have because thank you. I think if somebody comes out and says, "All right, they warned me," mm -hmm. and I didn't realize, well, it's my fault. But a lot of times when I didn't know, right, you never told me. You never told me to look at the fine print of an insurance policy and the thing crashed and I'm not covered right. for some technicality. You didn't tell me about an anchor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's, things like that. That's why every on all of our business cards, all of our guys are advisors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we look like we're, you know, Merrill Lynch or whatnot. We're, we're advisors. And, um, you know, we want to we, we want to make sure that our customers understand what they're getting into um, and are educated and are able to execute. Mm -hmm. And so that way, that last five feet coming into the dock is, it may not be perfect, mm -hmm. but it's not going to end the marriage. It's going right. to be, it's, it's their friends are going to laugh and, and everyone's going to have a great time mm -hmm. because everyone's going to be cool headed about it. Um, and that, you know, everyone's going to walk away and have all their fingers and toes and, and everything is going to be just fine. Um, you know, there's always going to be moments, like you've sure. said, there's always, it's boating. You can't, there's, so many variables that you can't you can't get them all right but if you have the basis and you, you have a certain level of safety then you're going to have great days on the water right. your your moments your good moments are going to be good moments mm -hmm. but your bad moments won't be so bad because right. you have that standard of care and that basic knowledge that will get you through 90% of those problems. You know, I mean, I've, I've been blessed to sail, you know, all the way across the Pacific and sail through storms and whatnot. And what got us through the storms was we were prepared, right. you know, and the team was prepared. And we knew if the mass came down and whatnot, we were, we were ready and we could, we can, we would get to where we needed to go, that mm -hmm. we had that tenacity, but we also had the skills to get where we Everybody needed to Everybody knew what they needed to do. Right. Hey, if you got a breach, this is what you do. If this comes down, what to do, what lines to cut. Yeah, so, and, and even then during a, you know, when you're in a squall and it's winds 80 miles an hour and the seas are 40 feet tall, right. you know, you have guys that are like, well, look, we're just an accident looking for a place to happen. Sure. And, you know, the world's coming to an end. You go, no, it's not coming to an end. This is just a storm. We'll ride through it and right. we'll get to where we need to go and the sun will come out and it'll be great. But, you know, unless you're prepared, 
that when you're fearful and you're scared and you have those you issues, can't. you get you get your fear overtakes who you mm-hmm. are, right? And then it's then it, you're not safe for anybody, and that's not good. Right. And so it's you to be prepared out there. So you've been out and you've been out in the wild blue <laughs> on a sailboat. <laughs> I, yeah. Sailboats are great and it's amazing that people do it, but you are at the mercy of everything because you just don't have the speed. No. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you're missing, you know, the technology or the power to run all the, you know, things that you do need to uh, stay and to com- communicate. But yeah, it's, um, it's how, uh, wh- what did you like about how is it out there? How is it just winging it with like a hull <laughs> and some sails and going across an ocean? I mean, it's pretty crazy. I, I, uh, I got picked by the uh, Philippine government to help them celebrate their centennial in 1996. And we did a, uh, organized a sailboat race from Acapulco to Manila to uh, retrace Magellan's steps and to uh, celebrate the trade, the 400 years of mm-hmm. trade that went between everybody from China would go to the Philippines and trade gold for spices. And then <clears throat> the Spanish were smart enough that you'd sail all the way west and then wagon train across Mexico and then (laughs) sails, you know, they didn't realize there was a shorter way to get Mm -hmm. to where they wanted to go. Um, But it was, it was a great adventure. And uh, part of that was, you know, each, each leg was, you know, over 3000 miles from, from Acapulco to Hawaii and then Hawaii to Guam and then Guam to Cebu, Uh, you know, with six people on a 50 foot sailboat, it's, it's, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're really out in the middle of nowhere. And we did it during an El Nino winter cycle. And uh, so we had some, uh, all the major tropical storms that were coming out of the Pacific, coming into a, the Gulf of Alaska, uh, it got pretty nasty. And, right. uh, but you know, when you're out there and you're dealing with stuff like that, it's, it's when you know that your preparation um, has prepared you for uh, the storms. And that you're, you can, you can, you know, bear pull sail through them, and and then you know be ready to go when uh, the weather weather is. Intense. So, was there any terror? <laughs> Did you go like, oh God, we're done for? <laughs> we had one day where uh, one one morning, and it we were, had been sailing all night in forty five knot plus winds and storm sails up, and I, I looked out on the horizon, and the sun was looked like the sun was clearing and the clouds were clearing and and that it was the water looked like it gotten flat and so i was like oh this is the worst of it i didn't realize that that was um, a microburst that it was actually a column of air that it had come down with such force that it flattened the ocean oh my god and uh you know we had we had put up uh one of our jibs and when that that column of air finally hit us. It hit us with such force because it went from 40 to 80. Uh, probably our, it, it was stronger than that. It blew the sail right off the boat, and we let it all let all the gear go um, to be safe and mm-hmm. not try to retrieve something that was now a giant sea anchor. Right. Um, but it was you know it's one of those meteorologically things that <clears throat> I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Right. But it was but it was you know a life experience because you know we could have. That could have been the end of us. We could have lost everything mm-hmm. and uh, lost people's lives if we weren't prepared to instantly react when when just that... cut the lines, get the sails off. Yeah, otherwise it'll drag you right down. Yeah, just yeah, just abandon abandon it. It's just it was you know 
bad idea. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. And we'll, we'll and we'll just get through this storm. Um, but it's you know it's being you know the fact that the team was we were able to just it wasn't like we had to talk about it and have a discussion we just reacted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting, and it just goes back to the training. It's a now you just bring that all the way back on shore and you get an afternoon in Florida. Right. And out of the blue, a thunderstorm decides to come up. And those winds pick up fast. They can. And I mean, <laughs> and. You know, what do you do? You, you, so you think about how heavy uh, a thundercloud is. If you look at some of the cloud tops in South Florida, mm-hmm. they're up at sixty thousand feet, and you're and you're looking at how much water um, comes out of those clouds. It's and how much pressure there is. Um, if it decides that it wants to start cycling air and bring a column of air down, um, whether it's a tornado, water spout, sure. or just a, like what we encountered, a, 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 a big burst of air coming down and flattening the ocean, um, it, can be, it could be horrific. Um, so that's where proper planning prevents poor performance, right? Sure. You, you, you plan ahead and you're aware. And if you're going boating in Southwest Florida during this, this, this summertime, um, you know, the meteorologist will tell you, well, be prepared. And if you hear thunder, you know that you need to get shelter. Uh, but, you know, if you can't get shelter, then you have to have, you should have a plan in place to ride out the storm because it's going to be a short-lived event. It's right. It is. It's the, the first blast is the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> right. It's the, it's the wake-up call. It's, yeah, it's, it's the wake-up call. And, but, you know, if you can see it coming and you can see it coming, if you're aware Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's teaching people to be aware. It's it, it you know, it's good to be boating. But if you're the captain and you're the person driving the boat and you're in charge, you need to be aware you're you're taking care of all those lives that are aboard. And if you see these clouds and you see this storm and you can see it coming, you know, I mean, if you don't have the room to do the 90 degree rule, like the storm's coming, mm-hmm. go 90 degrees right, away right, from right. it. Um, be prepared, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's coming, be prepared. You know, it's great that you're talking about these things, and it's uh, refreshing to hear as you're out there. I mean, this is plenty of good people in the boating industry, but, you know, your approach to this and giving this information to potential boaters or people who want to buy things and going through the real sore spots, you right. know, is everybody on board? Can you check your ego? Do you know how to operate the thing? Here's the things that we can do for you. These are the things that you can expect. Uh, you have to maintain this. Your uh, analogy of the thoroughbred is perfectly on because that's really what you're, you're the, the boat has to be a thoroughbred right. to be able to be useful. And you've got to treat it as such. And laying that out to you know potential customers, which with the which possible they could walk away Mm -hmm. or give the other partner the ammo (laughs) to put a stop to it (laughs) right um now is good and the fact that you've got support services to help people through the process is great and um hopefully we see that more and we start uh, moving the industry uh to that place and i think you'll you you get a better match of uh uh, people to the right boat and expectations and um and make things better. So, well, it's, thank it, you very much for coming in. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I tell you, like you said, it's it's a matter of success, and I think we're super successful now, and we're only going to get more successful as people hear our story and know who we are and what we do from an advisory perspective in the boating industry. And it's just we want people to have the best days on the water, and you know, it just begins with the end in mind, and you know, having 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 Vessel Vanguard and having 
everything in one spot. Mm -hmm. Just makes so much sense. Yeah, it's uh, just tools from the aviation world. Right. You know, planes work all the time because they're maintained. Right. That pump isn't 18 years old. It's three <laughs> and it's got to go even though it works perfectly, right? right? And then they don't, and then they work all the time. Right. So uh, it's a, it's very important, but, you know, we're seeing more and more operations and individuals and charters and fishing captains, you know, understand the benefits and it's significant. It's so important. I mean, there's so many captains that are used to, you know, if you tap on the air, air conditioning, just right, it'll still it work. <laughs> Wasn't working before I tapped it. <laughs> Here right. we go. It's getting ready to blow. Right. But, so. um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, with Boating Insider, we're trying to get the professionals like yourself, people of all areas in the uh, industry. And uh, thanks for contributing today. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. your time.